Good afternoon and welcome to The Dog Show with Julie Forbes. This is an encore edition today. You're going to want to stay tuned. This was a great one from back in March of 2009, The Dog Talk Show number three. This was uh, when Julie talked to Beth Rivard, who was the director of the Prison Pet Partnership Program. So stay tuned. That is coming up on the show today. Do want to let you know that the Dog Show with Julie Forbes is brought to you by our friends at the Natural Pet Pantry and also by all the best pet care. Stay tuned. That is coming up. We'll be uh, again talking to Beth Rivard, director of the Prison Pet Partnership Program. A couple of announcements here uh, before we get into that, though. Do want to let you know that uh, the A Help Project Holiday Party and Fundraiser is happening Saturday, December 15th. That's this coming Saturday from 3 to 6 p.m. That's at Northwest Cellars in Kirkland on 124th Avenue Northeast in Kirkland. Uh, again, it's the A Help Project Holiday Party and Fundraiser. And this event is not only for volunteers, but also to welcome community members who seek information about A Help all in a festive and pet-friendly venue. So come join the fun where you and your animal friends can all enjoy yummy food and refreshments. For more information, visit ahelpproject.org. Also, a newly rescued golden retriever slipped her lead while in transport and bolted out of the Bellevue Park and Ride up the hill towards Newcastle on Tuesday afternoon, December 11th. And if you've got any information about this golden retriever on the loose, Call Kathy at 425-320-8755. Again, uh, that's around the Newcastle area, Loose Golden Retriever, uh, who is shy. And uh, again, if you have uh, information or you've seen the dog, give a call to 425-320-8755. Okay, we're going to take a very quick break, and we'll be right back with The Dog Show with Julie Forbes here on Alternative Talk 1150. For more than 25 years, All the Best Pet Care has been helping people choose the best foods, treats, and toys for their dogs and cats. They are a locally owned family business bringing about little miracles every day by following the Mother Nature model of nutrition. Stop by to meet their adoption cats, schedule an anesthesia-free dental cleaning, or bring your dog to the toy testing area. Visit their new store in Edmonds next to the PCC and their expanded Redmond store in the Whole Foods Plaza. To learn more, go to allthebestpetcare.com or follow them on Facebook. You're listening to Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. Well, it's all. to the dog talk show i'm your host julie forbes and we have got a great guest on today who we'll be talking to in a few minutes here we have beth rivard the director of the prison pet partnership program 
which is out of the Women's Correctional Facility in Purdy, Washington. And uh, so we're going to talk with her for most of the show in a little bit and um, give you all an opportunity as well to call in if you have any questions for Beth. So I am so excited to talk to her in a little bit. Um, but have a few things to talk about before we, we go in with that interview. Um, so I did, uh, Eric, order the movie Old Yeller, and I'm going to, oh, to, fi- okay. to finally watch it. Well, clearly you didn't watch it before the show because no. you, you, you've got your composure intact. Yeah. No, my eyes are not swollen. That's right. So I'm facing my, my, my greatest dog movie fear, and uh, I'm going to watch it this week. So All right. We, we can get that uh, dog movie review next yeah, week. Yeah, hopefully I'll be walking um, into the studio. Two not, paws up or <laughs> not crawling. <laughs> one paw. Yeah. Well, and I did see the, uh, figured it was appropriate to watch The Truth About Cats and Dogs last week. And uh, and how was it? Yeah. Yeah? Not yeah. so good. A little disappointed in that movie, but that's okay. So you didn't you didn't feel like it lived up to its title then? No, I mean, it was, you know, she has a radio show, and it's about animals, and mm-hmm. so... Well, it seemed like it would have been just right up your alley, Well, then. yeah, that's why I watched it, but that's all right. It's, uh, I had seen it, like, years ago, so I figured I'd check it out, but... Well, we've got the true truth about dogs... That's right. ...for today on the show, of course. It's the truth, well, at least in my opinion, anyway, but, um... Okay, so I have some um, an update about the puppy mill. Um, we had Dan Paul on the Washington State Director of the Humane Society of the United States. We had him on a couple weeks ago, and uh, we were talking about puppy mills and um, what's going on within Washington State. And there is actually a bill that is up right now, and um, which will hopefully get passed. It is Senate Bill. 5651. And um, this is a bill to put into law some basic guidelines to protect dogs who are in um, breeding facilities to basically prevent these mass puppy mill situations like the ones that were busted uh, a few months ago, where there were, I think, a total of like 600 dogs or something like that, which is just insane. And these dogs live in terrible, terrible conditions. And we just really cannot tolerate that. Um, And so having laws in place will help prevent those types of situations and also help law enforcement officials uh, follow through with breaking these types of establishments um, up. So um, there is actually something that you can do, you listeners can do, um, and everybody who um, has ever loved a dog, um, you can go to the Humane Society of the United States website which is www.hsus.org. And there's a search bar um, in the top left of the, of the homepage. And you can just type in 5651, which is the number of the Senate bill for Washington State for the puppy mills. And it'll bring you to more information about that. And um, there is a um, action alert... Um, thing that you can click on beneath that information about the bill where it's really easy for you to um, find who your representative is and um, send them some information asking them to pass this bill 
and um, just to give them support and uh, give these dogs a voice that they don't have. So I really encourage everybody to do that. It only takes a few minutes and they really, they being the dogs really need us to stand up for them because the, uh, these types of things, these puppy mills are, um, we just can't tolerate the, their existence at all. It's just insane to me. Um, so just a few things about the bill. The first, the first sentence just, uh, really hit home to me. And it's, uh, it says the first thing that they say in the bill is that dogs are neither a commercial crop nor commodity and should not be indiscriminately or irresponsibly mass produced. And, um, I could not agree more with that. And, um, so there's just a few basic, or actually several basic guidelines um, that this bill will will put in to protect the dogs. Um, that uh, a facility cannot have more than 25 dogs over the age of four months with intact sexual organs. Um, so this is just keeping the numbers down, the sheer numbers of breeding dogs down. And um, anyone with more than 10 dogs that are intact over four months must and then there's a list of requirements for them and they must have the space to spread out lying down totally spread out without touching anything so they can't touch the edges of the cage or other dogs Uh, they have to have at least the space to do that if they want to at least an hour of exercise outside of their cage Um, I'm sort of paraphrasing these things for for the exact information you guys can look up the bill 5651, Senate Bill 5651, and, and you can really read read through it thoroughly. Um, adequate housing, meaning uh, it's a sanitary, the dogs remain dry and clean, that they don't stack cages one atop the other, uh, cages must be cleaned daily, access to clean food and water, provide veterinary care without delay, female dogs are only allowed to produce one litter per year, uh, and there's there's a few other uh, just basic guidelines, and that this is not in this is not a law for so these are laws that are yet to be passed. Just these basic basic guidelines for keeping animals in a, inhumane condi- inhumane conditions. Um, at the very least, they should have these laws in place to protect them. Um, so go to uh, the the Humane Society website, which again is www hsus.org and you can just uh, type in 5651 in the search bar and that'll bring you to some information about the bill and how to get in touch with your representative to um, to encourage them to pass this bill at a minimum um, so I also um, get an email this week that um, smelled fishy to me and I just wanted to let you all know in case you got it as well is about this uh, military dog hero that was uh, supposedly given a canine congressional medal of honor his name is Brutus and he is a military canine and he was in Iraq the story goes that uh, his handler and four other soldiers were taken and Brutus and his handler communicate by sign language, and he gave Brutus the signal that meant go away but come back and find me, which that was my first red flag. And um, it goes on with the story, and basically the dog comes back and finds them and frees them, and now he's been awarded a Congressional Medal of Honor. And then it has a picture, and it says that Brutus was a 
boxer and mastiff mix. And the picture is actually a, a Belgian Malinois, which looks sort of like a German Shepherd. They're really beautiful dogs. But uh, I looked this. Um, I looked up this article, and it turns out that it is actually false. It is somebody's creative story. It's a nice story, I guess, but it's um, not true. So I just wanted to clarify, actually, the, the dog in the photo is a retired, uh, let's see, I think he was a retired police dog from an Arizona police force, but it's actually a Belgian Malinois. Well, he's probably got heroic stories that are actually true. I'm sure he does. Associated with this dog. but uh, And he's very handsome. But, uh, yeah, no Congressional Medal of Honor has ever been awarded to a dog. <laughs> Maybe it's time. Maybe. Maybe that's this is what this is crying out for. Maybe it is. Yeah, a creative story nonetheless, but it is false. So I thought I would clarify if any of you got that email. Not true. <laughs> um. Today, we have Beth Rivard, who um, we're going to talk to in just a few minutes. She is the director of the Prison Pet Partnership Program, which is a program. um, They actually take shelter dogs and um, train them. The the inmates actually train the dogs to be service dogs. And I had the opportunity to um, take a tour of the facility and actually sit in on a training class uh, about a month ago, and it was absolutely amazing, um, really wonderful experience. So really excited to talk to her in just a few minutes. Um, so we have some commercials to run, and then when we come back, we will talk with Beth Rivard, and we'll, uh, we'll be back in just a few minutes. Well, I caught my wife with another man, and it cost me 99. On a prison farm in Georgia, close to the Florida line. Well, I've been here for two long years. I finally made the warden my friend. And so he sentenced me to a life of ease, taking care of old Red. Natural Pet Pantry is Seattle's original source for wholesome dog and cat meals, offering eight different proteins to accommodate your pet's dietary needs. Made locally using all U.S. sourced ingredients, their freshly ground stews, raw or cooked, can be purchased from their Burien shop, most independent pet supply stores, or delivered right to your home. Natural Pet Pantry will even work with your vet to custom blend a prescription diet for your pet's unique needs. Go to naturalpetpantry.com for more information. Natural Pet Pantry. It just makes sense. This is Martha Norwalk. Every Sunday morning, beginning at 9 a.m., thanks in part to canine and feline caviar, we cover the world of animals. This Sunday, December 16th, always entertaining Kevin McDonald and Kim Miller Medium and Animal Intuitive will host the show for me. They'll have holiday precautions to share, so you'll be sure to keep your animal friends safe. Plus, as always, open phone lines so Kim can help you connect with your animal or human loved ones on this side or the other. Martha Norwalk's Animal World, Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to noon, right here on Alternative Talk, a.m. 1150. Want to hear something different from talk radio? The choice is clear. Alternative Talk, 1150 a.m. That I've ever seen. Got a nose that can smell a two day trail. He's a four legged tracking machine. 
You can consider yourself mighty lucky to get past the gators and the quicksand beds. But all these years that I've been here and nobody got past red. All right, welcome back to the Dog Talk Show on Alternative Talk 1150. I'm your host, Julie Forbes, and today we have a very, very special guest, Beth Rivard, the director of the Prison Pet Partnership Program. Hi, Beth. Thanks for having me. Thank you for being here. Um, So I had the opportunity to um, come down there and uh, take a tour of your facility and sit in on a training class, which was such such a wonderful experience. It's definitely still with me. And um, I am excited to talk to you and um, ask you uh, a lot of questions and just give the listeners um, just general information about what you do in your program and, um, and how they can help support it. Sounds great. So um, tell us a- about, you know, what the, what the program is. Well, our mission is twofold. We provide vocational education to offenders, and we also train service dogs for people with disabilities. We offer, um, through the vocational education program, we have a full-service boarding and grooming facility so people in the community can bring in their animals, dogs and cats, for grooming and boarding. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the service dog part of the program is um, we take in homeless animals from animal shelters and also from rescue groups, and we bring them in and we teach the offenders to train them to be service dogs for people with disabilities. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's it in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. And um, how was the, when and how was the program founded? The program started in about 1982, um, and it was kind of the brainchild of uh, a nun, Sister Pauline Quinn, and also Dr. Leo Bustad from Washington State University. Um, and it was their combined idea of um, how animals are so therapeutic to to each of us that perhaps it would be a good idea to incorporate that into uh, prison. Um, and so the program was started here. It was part at, at the Women's um, Correctional Facility as part of Tacoma Community College. It was a canine program for the offenders. They learned basic anatomy and physiology, did some rescuing of animals from shelters, trained the dogs and sent them back to the shelters for adoption. Um, Eventually, it kind of evolved into training service dogs. And about 1990, um, Tacoma Community College um, lost funding through through the State Department of Corrections, and the focus became more of adult basic education, reading, writing, and arithmetic for the offenders. So the canine program was dropped, but because it was so popular within the institution, um, with the offenders, with staff, and as, and the community, um, people involved with the program decided to um, make Prison Pet Partnership a private nonprofit organization. Mm. So the nonprofit organization began in 1990. Okay, and is it it's still that case? And it's still that we're a private nonprofit operating within the uh, walls, so to speak, of the um, of the women's prison. Okay, and you. Are you still not getting state funding? We do have a contract with the um, Washington State Department of Corrections mm-hmm. f- um, to provide um, vocational education. So we do get some funding. Okay. It's about mm, 5% of our overall budget. So we do get some funding for uh, for the educational part of our program. Okay. 
And um, so you have a, and like you know, a classroom and actually kennels set up within the facility. Correct. So when you talk about um, boarding and grooming and stuff like that, the dogs you actually go into you know through the security into Correct. the prison, yeah. right? Yes. To to um, we have a kennel facility. We have twenty eight kennel runs, twenty eight dog kennel runs, and we have the capacity for about twelve cats at this point. Um, and those are for community members that bring their animals in for boarding. They actually come into the facility. They meet with an offender um, kind of at a midway point to exchange information about the dog um, or cat. And then the, the offender actually brings the animals down to our kennel facility. Mm-hmm. And that is a way that you create funding for the program. Right. Exactly. It's a... Um, it, it's probably about 35% of our income for, for our budget. Okay. And how much is it uh, for somebody to board their dog or cat? Our boarding is uh, $15 a day for uh, first dog um, and $13 a day for additional dogs, and um, and it's $9 for cats. Okay. And um, so when the dogs come in, it's just similar to... Um, a boarding kennel, and they right. get um, lots of attention when they're there. Oh, a- yes, and lots of attention. Lots of attention. <laughs> lots of attention. Yeah, at least um, they get exercised at least um, four times a day. Uh, mm. We have eight kennel workers for 28 dogs, so the ratio is pretty good. So they've got lots of time to um, spend with the animals, mm-hmm. not just walking, but just sitting in the kennel, brushing, mm-hmm. petting. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's great, and that's a fifteen dollars a day is a uh, is a very, very competitive rate for boarding. So it's a really great considering the quality of the care that they're getting. It's definitely right. very oh, cost yeah. effective way for the community to have their dogs boarded in a in a uh, in a nice place. And it's down, and you guys are down in Purdy, Washington. Right, okay. right, just outside of Gig Harbor. Mm-hmm. Okay, and um, so for the for the service dog training. You take dogs from shelters, right? So dogs who need homes, and often who haven't had much training. Oh yeah, <laughs> yes, or any. That's usually right. part of the reason why they're in the shelters, right? Um, so how do you? What's the process that you actually go out and find dogs? That's a. It's a pretty intensive process. We have uh, our training coordinator, Grace Van Dyke, goes out to the shelters. Uh, we also have volunteers who have been trained to. Um, go out to shelters and look for dogs. The selection process is pretty lengthy. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll take the dogs. Um, most shelters have a get-acquainted area or a get-to-know-me space where we can take the dogs. Um, we'll play ball. We'll, we'll um, see if they try to guard resources, food, bones, what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, the dogs have to be able to um, be good in any environment, kids, cats, dogs, mm-hmm. um, Loud noises, you name it, the animals have to be okay. Um, once they're placed as a service dog, they have to be pretty fail-proof. Yes. So um, it's a pretty hefty evaluation uh, period. And that's in the shelter. So, you know, we're not really getting a clear view of the dog's personality in the shelter. So many are stressed. or Yeah. Um, so we don't really see what the true dog's personality is like until after they've come in. Yeah, and maybe even several months down the road. So yeah, and it's a it's definitely 
a matter of having somebody who can have a, who has a sense for what might really be lying underneath the stress of right. being, you know, brought to a shelter and and these are young dogs. So that's, you know, dogs of that age have a hard hard enough time as it is um, you know, with adolescence and stuff like that. So so you do the screening process and do some basic testing for, you know, to see how they how well they tolerate certain things that are requirements. Like right. you said, the resource guarding and, and that kind of thing. And then you bring them in. Once you feel like this dog is a potential candidate to be a service dog, they come in to um, into the prison and and then live there. Correct. Okay. Yes. When they when the animals first come in, they're uh, typically where we have an isolation area so that they're not um, they're not boarding in this in, near the uh, animals that come in from the community, mm-hmm. um, just in case there happen to be any um, just in case there happen to be any diseases that they may have um, acquired from a shelter. So we isolate them for a period of typically two weeks, mm-hmm. but we assign. Um, an offender to the dog to start working with the with working with the dog to training, you know, sitting, walking on a leash, mm-hmm. that type of thing, so they can start the bonding process even while they're still kind of isolated from the other dogs. Mm-hmm. And so, how does that? So, are there um, at, at any given time some offenders that are involved with the program who don't necessarily have a dog to work with? Yeah, there are there are times when um, it's just. It's either difficult to find an appropriate um, candidate for the program, a dog, canine candidate, mm-hmm. um, from the shelter, so we may be lower on dogs, or maybe we have just had a graduation, so we don't have a lot of dogs in. So mm-hmm. there there are times when offenders don't have a dog, and there are also offenders that work in the program that may um, may not want to also train a dog. Um, the women in our program typically have two jobs. They work in the kennel um, five days a week, and then they go home and they have one or sometimes two service dogs in training. So that's a 24-7 job. So some of the women just have just um, have chosen to either hold off on training a dog for a while or they may train for a little while and then take some time off and then train again. So yeah. it's, um, it's a full-time job. <laughs> and when you say they take them home, that means actually back to a cell? Right. Uh, yeah, back to um, the cell in the in the living units they have. Um, Typically, um, another one roommate plus one or two dogs in the in the cell with them. And do they typically live with other women in the program? Um, sometimes they live with other women in the program. If we if they're not living with um, another offender that's also training, they can have two dogs. But if we have two um, trainers in the same room, then each trainer can really only be assigned one dog. So mm-hmm. we like to kind of spread them out a bit so that each trainer can have two dogs. Mm-hmm. So, But it's difficult if there's two trainers in a room, they can't really have four dogs. That's too many in it. Right. Eight by ten. Yeah. yeah. Gosh, that's just, I mean, the the therapeutic value alone of just having a dog with you all the time. I right. Mean, for me, I can totally just imagine, ugh, that would I would go nuts if I didn't have access to dogs. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm with you. I'm the same way. If yeah. I go a weekend without my dog, I'm kind of the same way. Yeah. And when I go on vacation, you know, my mm-hmm. dogs are at home and I see dogs on the street. I'm like, oh, I need to go say hi. Yeah, I do the same yeah. thing, too. Skip the sightseeing. I want to see all the dogs in the town. <laughs> mm-hmm. So this, there's a, 
what are the qualifications for the offenders to participate in the program? In, in order to um, be involved with the program, uh, the offenders have to have been in the institution at least a year. Um, they have to have at least two years remaining so they can get the whole the benefits of um, the, the entire program. Um, they have to um, be major infraction-free for a year, m- minor infraction-free for 90 days. They can't have a history of crimes against children, animals, seniors, or people with disabilities. And they have to have um, a high school diploma or a GED or be in the process of completing. Uh, once they meet that criteria, we have a class that our kennel supervisor, Rachel Keeler, teaches, and it's uh, pet care um, technician level one mm-hmm. class, and they learn everything, basic anatomy and physiology, common diseases in a, in a kennel environment, customer mm-hmm. service, um, bookkeeping, record keeping, yeah. um, all those types of things, how to operate, basically how to work in a kennel. Yeah. Um, once they meet that, um, they have that class, they have a um, final exam, and they have to score 75% or higher on that final exam in order for them to be um, considered um, for employment with the program. Okay, and that's both as a trainer and in the kennel. Correct, yeah. Usually we have the offenders, once we have an opening, we will interview offenders. They have to interview just like mm-hmm. we have to interview for a job. Yeah. And if they um, are selected for the program, they usually start working in the kennel, and they have a 90-day evaluation period in the kennels. And so we can kind of observe how they how they interact with the animals and kind of their dog savvy and dog sense. Yep. And then at the end of that 90-day evaluation period, um, we get together and kind of talk about their, we do a, a review. And then if they're interested in training service dogs um, and we think that they, you know, have the ability to be able to live 24 hours a day, seven days a week and handle all of the behavior things that will come their way with an animal, then we'll offer them the opportunity to train service dogs as well. Okay. That's great. Well, we're going to, uh, we're going to take a, a break. Okay. And uh, we'll come back with Beth Rivard, the director of the prison pet partnership program. We'll be back in just a minute. Do you have an injury old or new that won't heal? Are you fighting a colder illness you can't kick? Do you feel like you've tried everything and are still struggling to find wellness and balance in your physical health? Have you been unimpressed with acupuncture in the past? For over a decade, Robert Medusia has been making a difference for people who thought they had exhausted their options. Don't settle for pain and illness. Call 425-828-6190. That's 425-828-6190. Again, 425-828-6190. The Acupuncture and Sports Clinic of Kirkland. Heal faster, play longer. This is Julie Forbes, dog training, behavior, and nutrition specialist and owner of Sensitive Dog, thoughtful guidance for you and your dog. If your dog needs basic obedience training, a behavior evaluation, or food consultation, I can help you. Call me at 206-372-7399 or visit my website, www.sensitivedog.com. I teach group obedience classes, in-home lessons, and evaluations, and a two-week intensive training program called Higher Education. Again, I'm Julie Forbes, Seattle's dog behavior behavior training and nutrition specialist www.sensitivedog.com tell your friends the place to be is alternative talk 11:50 a.m. 
Hello, welcome back to the Dog Talk Show. I'm your host, Julie Forbes, and uh, we're talking with Beth Rivard, the director of the Prison Pet Partnership Program in the Women's uh, Correctional Facility in Purdy, Washington. Welcome back, Beth. Hello. So I uh, want to just let you listeners know, if you have any questions for Beth about the program, um, feel free to give us a call um, anytime now. The number to call is 425 373 Five five two seven or toll free in Western Washington eight 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 two nine eight five five six nine. So if you have any questions for Beth, um, give us a call here at the station. So we're talking about the uh, service dog training program that they have in the prison, um, and that the women actually learn how to um, train dogs and um, and also care for dogs in a kennel environment and um, grooming and boarding and um, this uh, well I had the opportunity to ask them some questions um, but what have you seen um, how have you seen this program transform offenders I, I think one of the things that I see a lot is just kind of the increase um, in confidence and self-esteem from mm. the offenders Mm-hmm. Many of them come into the program and they've never trained a dog or they've had dogs that just kind of run around the yard as family pets and they've really not done a lot of training. Um, but kind of given the opportunity and the and the guidance to teach another living thing how to um, sit or stay or um, follow their lead or, or what have you, just they kind of feed off of each other. Once the um, animal learns to do something, the offender gets really excited about what it taught the animal, and then they want to teach more, and the dog wants to learn more. So it just kind of they just kind of feed off of each other in that in that process, which kind of builds the whole self esteem and confidence mm-hmm. in the offenders. Yeah, I would I would imagine that they m- most of the women haven't had the the, um, ex- the experience of themselves as teachers. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's that's really true. Another thing that I I see a lot with the offenders is I, without having heard this from them, I I think that they see themselves in the animals. Mm. I think that the dogs are um, often mirrors of themselves. Mm-hmm. These animals are typically um, older um, or juvenile or um, young adult animals that just have kind of wound up in a shelter or mm-hmm. with a rescue group for behavior problems or um, lack of leadership or what have you. And uh, I think that the offenders often see themselves in the dog and where they've been and where they are now. And by working with the dog and proving that the dog can get somewhere and, and move on to help somebody else and, mm-hmm. um, I think that they see a lot of themselves in what the dogs can provide for others. Yeah, that makes sense, that Mm -hmm. they have an awareness that the dogs came from shelters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. And and how is Stanley doing? Stanley's great. (laughs) Stanley is a a yellow lab um, mix that's just a love. He just kind of smothers everybody's faces here with, kisses whenever they come in. Um, He's um, been in training about three months, four months, and he's likely going to be placed uh, potentially as a therapy dog Mm 
Uh-huh. We have several clients on our waiting list um, with autism, and we think that Stanley would be a great match for um, a child or a young adult um, to kind of keep focus yeah. um, and to stay near someone. He's kind of a clinger. So yeah, he is. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. So we're hoping that we can place him in um, as a therapy dog. Yeah, he is a special dog, that's for sure. Yeah. Um, so let's see. Um, so with the with all the dogs that come in to be potentially service dogs, what's the percentage of that actually graduate to be working service dogs? The um, percentage is about, we're running at about 15% success rate for the um, dogs that we take in, making it as full service dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, that's pretty common um, across the board for um, shelter animals. Uh, training as service dogs, that's a that's pretty common success rate. Uh-huh. Um, the reason that the majority of our dogs don't make it is for behavior reasons, uh, yeah. like high prey drive, ball crazy, cat crazy, yeah. um, or afraid of loud noises or what have you. So those are some of the common reasons that the animals um, in our program don't make it. Um, those programs that do um, train service dogs from puppies have a higher success rate, about 60% or so. Uh-huh. Typically, those dogs fail be- due to medical reasons, yeah, or elbow problems or yep. whatever. Um, but obviously, with working with puppies, as you know, working with puppies, they have blank pages, and so they're easily you know, molded to um, become service dogs. But we're working kind of with animals with, that already have behavior issues. So yeah. um, it's, more, it's more of a challenge. Um, those dogs that don't make it as full service dogs, though, we may place as a um, therapy dog. Mm-hmm. Um, they may be placed in a facility. We've got a, a dog that's placed at Tacoma Lutheran Home. Mm-hmm. Um, in Tacoma, we also have a dog at Spokane Veterans Home mm-hmm. as a facility therapy dog. Um, and then dogs that m- wouldn't make it as therapy dogs are placed in um, homes with individuals or family, and we call those our paroled pets. Yeah. So right. regardless of whether they actually graduate to be service dogs, you are, you know, taking these dogs in from shelters and completing the training program to your satisfaction so that they have a higher chance of success once they reenter society as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. It's the same as with the offenders. That's correct. Um, well, that's great. Um, so... We have a uh, we have uh, someone on the line for you oh, to ask you a question. Oh, we have Beryl, so we'll take line one. Hello. Yes. Hello. Hi. Hi. Thanks um, for calling. Have, oh, you're welcome. Yeah. I have a question for Beth. Mm-hmm. Um, Beth, by the way, congratulations! It's just a fabulous program. I'm I'm just so happy to hear about programs that. Add, add some goodness into the lives of both dogs and women. Oh, thank you. Um, my question is, um, and I forgive me if I've missed this, but I think I've listened to every word of the uh, show. Um, I'm curious about the um, inmates. Have there been um, women who have uh, gone through the program successfully with their dog uh, and been able to transfer this over into an occupation for themselves as, when they leave the system? Oh, absolutely. That's a that's a key part of our program is the vocational education and um, providing marketable job skills to the offenders. 
Um, because we have offenders who have any range of um, time here in the facility, we we don't have women involved in our program. We usually have maybe one or two getting out over the over a period of a uh, couple years or so. So we don't have a lot of women coming out from our program consistently. But in the last several years, we've had about four women have, have left our program and have received jobs as groomers. Um, we had one offender was released, and she was working at um, the Humane Society in Whatcom County and has now since moved on to a, a veterinary um, veterinarian in um, the Bellingham area. We have one woman who was a trainer, groomer, kennel worker with us who left the program and um, is now working at the Humane Society in King County. So um, it's definitely an opportunity for women to get jobs once they're released from the program and make a decent wage. And many of them have, many of the jobs that they've received also have medical and dental benefits. So the um, the risk of reoffending is greatly reduced if you have a job and you can provide for yourself and your family. Mm-hmm. Well, it's very impressive. And thank, thank you. you so much for answering my question. Great. Thank you for calling. Oh, you're welcome. Goodbye. All right. Thanks for calling in. And if you have any questions for Beth, give us a call, 425-373-5527, or toll-free in Western Washington, 888-298-5569. We're going to go ahead and take another break here. You're listening to the Dog Talk Show on Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. We'll be back in a minute with Beth Rivard. Electric Incorporated is a full-service electrical contractor. From simple home repairs to full remodels, new construction, and small commercial projects, our qualified electricians do it all. We pride ourselves on our workmanship and professional standards, delivered with value in mind. Located in historic Ballard, Kemley Electric serves the greater Seattle metropolitan area, licensed, bonded, and insured. Kemley Electric welcomes all inquiries about your electrical needs. Visit the website kemleyelectric.com. That's K-E-M-L-Y electric.com. Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair discusses issues that are important to you, like good health and well-being, finding a new job and building your business, overcoming life's big challenges and making sense out of chaos, and living with passion and joy. Join us Mondays at noon Pacific for Conversations Live with Vicki St. Clair. See conversationslive.net for show schedule and guest information. For more than 25 years, All the Best Pet Care has been helping people choose the best foods, treats, and toys for their dogs and cats. They are a locally owned family business bringing about little miracles every day by following the Mother Nature model of nutrition. Stop by to meet their adoption cats, schedule an anesthesia-free dental cleaning, or bring your dog to the toy testing area. Visit their new store in Edmonds next to the PCC and their expanded Redmond store in the Whole Foods Plaza. To learn more, go to allthebestpetcare.com or follow them on Facebook. Spread the word. You don't have to settle for the usual talk radio. Now there's Alternative Talk, 1150 AM. All right, welcome back to the Dog Talk Show on Alternative Talk, 1150. I'm Julie Forbes, your host, and we are talking with Beth Rivard, the director of the Prison Pet Partnership Program. Hi, Beth. Hey, hello. So, um... <clears throat> Again, if uh, if anyone has any questions for Beth, give us a call, 425-373-5527. Uh, 
And uh, we're talking about um, the program and and how it works and how it uh, sets the women up who work within the program for success once they re-enter society. Um, So let's see. What do they say that they get out of out of the program? What's the feedback you've heard from them, from the offenders? Gosh, that's a good question. Um, feedback from the offenders. Um, I have heard them say uh, it provides me with the opportunity for unconditional love. I've heard them say um, that it's they've learned how to give back to the community. Mm-hmm. They've... Um, They've learned new skills. They've learned more about themselves. They learned more about animals. Mm-hmm. It uh, helps them to um, be calm, uh, to, to learn patience. Yeah, I remember one woman saying that um, when we were visiting and actually sitting in on a class that uh, when uh, when they were talking to us and answering our questions, that one woman said it had really taught her a lot about patience, which is uh, is an important um skill to have for anybody really exactly yeah here and and out there and a lot of them may not have had that before they came here so it's definitely a valuable skill to be learning yeah and i've found that too myself as as a trainer working with dogs that is something that i have to continuously presence for myself and to be really mindful about when i'm teaching a dog and i see you know, people when when I'm teaching people how to work with their dogs can tend to get flustered really quickly or frustrated quickly or, or, you know, start to get frantic if the dog doesn't, you know, do what you've asked them to do after, you know, just a couple times. And it's it's just, you know, I tell people a lot when I'm working with them with their dogs to be patient and to not focus so much about the end result, especially at first, that a lot of the value is actually in the process of the of the dog's learning. That that's so true, and I, and a big part of that um, that I, I I agree with that. I think the big part of that is is observing what the dog is doing while you're teaching them. Mm-hmm. Rather, as you said, rather than completing the task, what is the dog trying to figure out? Yeah. I mean, what is it that you're doing as a trainer? that may not be providing the best cue or the best lure, the best lead to accomplish the task. It's always fascinating to me to watch the dog rather yep. than to see the task done. It's like, what is the dog trying to figure out? Yeah, and that's really what, mm-hmm. you know, what a good trainer does is right. really be super, super present to the dog and being able to identify where, you know, what is the the dog's thought process? If the dog isn't doing what you've asked them to do, why aren't they doing it? What do they need from you as a handler in order to be successful? Right. And so it's not just a, you know, it's a, it's a matter of having an individual understanding of the animal and, and making adjustments yourself. It's like a constant self-evaluation. <laughs> right. And if we could all just videotape ourselves when we're working with the dog, I know. we would see all of our mistakes. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's just, it's such a great skill for them to learn. And um, and I can relate to that. I mean, just from what, how I've noticed, just people in the general public 
what they learn out out of learning how to really train their dog, you know, to a higher level of listening and a higher level of communication. It's it's really great. It's and it's cool to see that light go on when they kind of get like, oh, oh yeah, to just sort of slow down and realize that you're actually communicating. You're not just rattling off commands. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, who's the trainer that uh, that works with with the offenders? Grace Van Dyke is our uh, training coordinator. Mm-hmm. She came to us um, from the Assistance Dog Institute in California, mm-hmm. um, where she um, went through their service dog training seminar. Mm-hmm. So, and she also prior to that she worked. She's from New Orleans originally, mm-hmm. um, and she worked as a veterinary technician. And so she did a lot of behavior work and mm-hmm. uh, vet tech work. So she's um, kind of got a good, well-rounded background yeah. to help us with all of um, our training and boarding and grooming and all of that. So, uh-huh. And how long has she been with the program? She's just been with the program since, oh gosh, I'm going to say it's been since June of 2007. So almost two years. Okay. And is that... Um how how many different uh, trainers, I guess, have you had? Do they tend to stay for a while, or does it depend? Yeah, they do. Um, to, is offender trainers or non-offender trainers? Offender trainers. Offender trainers. Um, the offender trainers, um, gosh, they, they can stay for any amount of time. We've got a couple of women that have been with the program four years, um, but I would say the majority of them have just been in the last year, have just joined the program in the last year or so. Mm-hmm. Um, we've had women, we had one woman with the program for 10 years. Um, typically, I would say the average length of stay is maybe two to three years. Uh-huh. And how long does it take, how long do the dogs typically go through, how long does it take for the dogs to go through the program? That's usually about a year, about a year of uh, training the dog. Um, and kind of it, it's kind of a, I like to call it a mass customization. We kind of train all of the dogs to do the same skills, retrieve, turn on lights, open doors. And then as we kind of come to the end of the dog's training, once they've got all of those skills and commands, there's about 82 of them. Mm-hmm. Um, once they've got all of those skills and commands down, then we'll kind of we'll look through the clients on our waiting list and identify um, the dog's strengths and skills and abilities and match them with the client's skills and abilities and, and try, to try to make a good match and to create a good bond with the team. Um, and then once we've identified the client, then we'll start doing more specific training for the dog um, geared towards the needs of that client. Mm. If the client is in a uh, motorized wheelchair, we'll work the dog more often in the wheelchair. If they have a speech impairment, we'll try to uh, mimic the speech pattern. If they have... Um, they use a walker or other assistive devices. We'll use those items in training the dog. Or if they have needs such as bracing to um, to to move from chair to chair, um, we'll work with the dog on that. So we'll kind of in the last couple of months start doing more training specific for the individual. Mm-hmm. So you just sort of you acclimate the dog to the you know like a wheelchair or right, right so that they get used to you know. They might be used to walking with somebody on leash, but they might not be used to walking next to somebody right. who's rolling. Right. Yeah. And we certainly do some of that. Some of that training is in is involved in just the general training, but because um, they're they're all kind of accustomed to that after within a couple of months of coming into the to the program. 
Mm-hmm. But once we get to the end, we'll just really focus the training on doing most of it from the wheelchair or most of it using the walker or mm-hmm. most of it trying to um, mimic, a, mimic a speech pattern or what have you. Mm-hmm. And do the dogs cost anything to the people who need them? We don't charge a fee for um, for getting the dog. We have a $25 application fee, mm-hmm. um, but we don't charge a fee for the dog. They mm-hmm. The clients, when they come to, to get their dog, they are required to attend a two-week training, mm-hmm. which is here at the prison. Um, so they do have to um, they do have to be able to pay for lodging and food or what have you right. while they're here for that two-week period. Uh, we place dogs in Washington, Oregon, and Idaho, so we do have some people that come from, from a distance to get their dogs. So they mm-hmm. are here for a couple of weeks, but we do have a scholarship program, so those people who may not be able to afford um, room and board during that period can also get a scholarship through through the program to, to cover some of the costs of that as well. Okay. So um, I could just talk to you all afternoon, <laughs> Beth, about this program. I just love it. So, And I want to make sure that listeners um, get some information. We only have a couple minutes left sure. on um, how they can help support the program. What do you need? Um. Gosh, just with any nonprofit organization, we've always got um, activities going on, fundraising activities. People could always donate um, online through our website, which is prisonpetpartnership.org. Mm-hmm. Um, you can always call. We've got a wish list on our uh, on our website, and you can also call call our office at two five three eight five eight. 4240 to get a list of items that we're always looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, we have our big fundraising event is coming up in May, May 30th. It's mm-hmm. our Bark and Bid dinner auction mm-hmm. uh, held here in Gig Harbor, mm-hmm. and that's also listed on our website. So we're always looking for attendees to come and have a good time and see the dogs and bid on some great auction items. Okay. Uh, and also volunteers. We can, a big part of our program is um, we rely on community volunteers taking the dogs out to grocery stores, shopping malls. Um, Obviously, we can't do that here in the facility, so we really could always use some volunteers willing to take dogs out for socialization or vet appointments or um, all of that. Always have wonderful, wonderful group of volunteers in our program. Okay. Well, I will be sure to um, give listeners that information again in future shows. And um, so that uh, brings us to the end of the show. So... We'll have you back soon, Beth. Uh, Beth Rivard, the Prison Pet Partnership Program. You're listening to the Dog Talk Show on Alternative Talk 1150. Thanks so much, Beth. Seattle Weight Loss and Wellness offers physician-supervised weight loss called Ideal Protein. Ideal Protein ignites fat metabolism without compromising your muscle tissue and provides one-on-one education in making healthy and delicious food choices for long-term success. Your body is prepared to continue burning fat while you successfully maintain your newly achieved ideal body weight and increased vitality. Visit SeattleWL.com. Mention this ad for $50 off your initial consultation fee. That's SeattleWL.com.